The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. That third on the roll for the end zone jump ball plucked out of the air by Vandenberg for the touchdown. That is all on the throw. Great catch. Placement of that ball because the coverage was all over him, Chuck. I think C.J. Beathard throws as well as anybody in college football on the run. In fact, that's where he's most dangerous, in my opinion. Yeah, that Vandenberg. That coverage is as good as it gets, and the throw is even better. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Steve Batterson, who looks back at the Hawks' dominant win over Iowa State, and he previews this week's game against top FCS-ranked North Dakota State University. We also have a special guest this week, Iowa Deputy Director of Athletics, Gene Taylor, who previously served as MDSU's AD for 13 years. We're looking for some bison insight here, folks. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and NDSU's Chris Kleiman. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which include sports reporter Scott Docterman of landof10.com and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Chumeland and Jack Bransgard. Game highlights this week are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler, Matt Millen, Chuck Long, and Lisa Byington. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Wadley again. Stops on a dime and takes it in for six. He made change on that dime. <laughs> There's two nickels out there. That kind of skill right there, you just you can't find. It. You, you can't mean, find. You, you have it or you don't have it. Akram Wadley's had it. Yeah, it all starts with that beautiful spin. And when you're on that kind of a roll, you just make the change on that dime and it's six quick. Hawkeye's mic programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. The Iowa Hawkeyes return to action at Kinnick Stadium this Saturday, hosting the top-ranked and defending FCS national champion North Dakota State University. The Hawkeyes are 2-0, having downed Miami, Ohio in the opener and then dominating in-state rival Iowa State last Saturday. Both games played in Iowa City. Iowa has now won nine straight home games. That's tied with Michigan State for the third longest streak in the nation. The Hawkeyes have won 14 straight regular season games. Iowa also has a Big Ten best eight-game regular season conference winning streak, going 4-0 at home plus 4-0 on the road last year in Big Ten play. C.J. Beathard has been the starting quarterback in all of those games, and he's now 15-2 overall. NDSU is also 2-0, both wins coming in overtime at their home against ranked FCS opponents Charleston Southern and Eastern Washington. NDSU will be the toughest foe Iowa has faced 
least so far this season. The Bison have won five consecutive FCS championships, have won five away games over FBS teams, hold an all-time 8-3 and three record against FBS squads, and overall are 73-5 and five since 2011. NDSU plays a physical power style of football on both offense and defense, not dissimilar from Iowa and several other Big Ten schools like Wisconsin and Michigan State. Iowa leads this all-time series 2 to nothing, with both games played in the 1940s and played in Iowa City. Kirk Ferentz is in his 18th year as Iowa head coach. Kirk's record at Iowa stands at 129 and 87. Bison head coach Chris Kleiman is in his third year at NDSU as head coach. His record is 30 and 3. He previously served there as defensive coordinator and earlier as defensive backs coach. Prior to that, he was an assistant at UNI, his alma mater, and he spent one season as Loris College head coach. Kleiman is a Waterloo native and grew up an Iowa fan. The game will be televised on ESPN2 with announcers Beth Mullins and Anthony Beck. As always, it will be broadcast on the Hawkeyes radio network, that with Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak. It will also be on satellite radio, XM Channel 195 and Sirius 135. After Saturday's game, Iowa enters Big Ten play on the road at Rutgers. NDSU is idle before beginning Missouri Valley football conference play at home against Illinois State. Tidbits and nuggets this week. Saturday's game is nearly sold out, probably will be by game time. The Bison travel well. Expect to see somewhere between 7,000 and 10,000 NDSU fans mixed in with the black and gold at Kinnick. Seven FCS teams have already defeated FBS schools this year. Those losing squads include Iowa State, Washington State, Virginia, and Northwestern, as well as a Georgia team last week that at the time was ranked in the top 10. While Iowa has no players on its roster from North Dakota, the Bison have three from the Hawkeye State, including running back Lance Dunn from Waterloo and linebacker Jake Brinkman from North Liberty. Iowa Athletics Director Gary Barda is an alum and played quarterback for NDSU, helping the Bison win three NCAA Division II National Championships from 1983 through 1986. Iowa Deputy Athletics Director Gene Taylor served very successfully for 13 years as Director of Athletics at North Dakota State prior to joining Iowa two years ago. Taylor was largely responsible for getting the Bison on Iowa's schedule. He also hired current NDSU head coach Chris Kleiman. The Kinnick Media Hall of Fame will grow by four members this weekend. The newly honored include Rick Brown and Ed Podolak, plus the late Bling Calkins and Hal Lagerstam. They all covered Iowa athletics over the past 40 years. The Wall of Fame is located in the media section of the press box. It recognizes those individuals who have covered the Hawkeyes over an extended period of time and done so with integrity, accuracy, and fairness. In Big Ten notes, it's a very important week this week in terms of non-conference games. The league already has one big notch in its belt with Wisconsin's victory over highly ranked LSU played up in Green Bay. This Saturday looms large with possibilities as Oregon travels to Nebraska, Michigan State plays at Notre Dame, and Ohio State will be in Norman to play Oklahoma. Wins in at least two of those games will significantly boost Big Ten bragging rights. Great story. Compelling and rich. Daniels on second down. A cut back and Daniels with a lot of green space. Daniels turning on the Jets. Touchdown, Iowa. 
He went back door on that one, Chuck. Everybody flowed strong side. His eyes took him back. And then he hit a burst at about the 15-yard line to get himself into the end zone. LaShawn Daniels, over 100 yards, his third career 100-yard game. I don't know how many programs in this country have two runners this, this good. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who expressed his admiration and respect for the North Dakota State University football program. Certainly to me, uh, you know, you look at them, they're a model program. They've had just amazing success. There are five national championships in a row, uh, which I'll elaborate on in a second, but that's uh, that's awfully impressive. Uh, five and over the last uh, five times out against FBS teams. I think it's eight and three now since 2006, and all those, uh, I assume, are on the road. So, you know, they're they're uh, they're not uh, no strangers to having success on the road, going into venues and playing well. And I think really probably the most important or impressive thing to me is the fact that uh, if you look at those championship seasons, you know it involves uh, four playoff games or excuse me five uh, playoff games per per season. You know, multi- or excuse me four. So you multiply that times five. Long story short, that's 20 games where you have to win or you you know you go home. And they've uh, been successful 20 out of 20 of those. So it just uh, that's an amazing run. I mean that, that's just really almost hard to fathom in some ways. And then it carries over to this year. They've uh, already had two overtime wins. So, you know, if you look at their team right now, they don't have a guy in their program that hasn't been part of a championship. And, uh, you know, they've got great belief in, in the, what they do. So, and for good reason. Bottom line, they got good players. Uh, they're really well coached and they play hard. They play physical. To me, their style of football reminds me of the last two teams we played at the end of the season last year, Stanford, Michigan State. So it's a different kind of challenge for us. Faces change through the years with uh, North Dakota State. Uh, names change, faces change, but the way they play looks very, very similar. Kirk was asked about why NDSU reminds him of Big Ten football. Well, just their style of play. They play the fullback. They play with tight ends, multiple tight ends. They'll run the ball, throw it. They're they're very versatile and multiple. But they, they're going to block you. They're going to come out and block you. And if you try to block them, they play blocks. They're not running around trying to slip people or, or finesse them, that type of thing. That's just not their style. And you know, I'm not judging styles or judging uh, systems, what have you. But that that is the way they play. Uh, again, I go back to that Minnesota game, whatever year that was. It was in the Dome. So it's got to be a few years. And uh, that's how they look to men. You throw on the film now, it's the same thing. They're just really well coached. They play hard, play very aggressively, very confidently. And um, so it's, again, faces are a lot different, but boy, the, you know, they just they just keep playing well. And the, the belief that their team has, their players have, is really evident. Probably no better example there, the quarterback, right? You know, they get the first, second player in the draft uh, uh, from last year's out last year for a majority of the season. Uh, young guy steps in there and just plays tremendous football, and he's playing good again right now. So, yeah, it's just, it really speaks well to the uh, the environment that they've they've created up there. Ferentz talks about the very good play thus far this season from his starting quarterback C.J. Bethard. He's just playing well, and you know I think it's it's the result of him being a senior. He he works hard. He's a great great kid, great player who works really hard, has a good attitude, and he practices. The fact that he's practicing every day has really helped him. But you know you, that's what you hope any senior is going to play at a higher level than he did as a junior. So that, that's what he's doing. I don't think there's anything magical about what he's doing other than you know, and certainly I'm sure he's more confident, just like again. Uh, older players tend to be a little bit more confident than younger guys. Ever since we uh, named him the starter a year ago, January, it's not like he acted any differently, but I think he's just, uh, he embraces the responsibility that being the quarterback has, and it is a different position. There's certain positions that are a little bit different inherently, and uh, quarterback in any kind of offense, no matter what you do, I think is a, that type of position. So, you know, he's just done a really good job. He embraces that, does it within his personality, the framework of his personality, and he's a very genuine guy, very humble guy, uh, yet a very dedicated, hard 
hardworking guy and proved last year just how tough he is mentally and physically. So, you know, when you have those kinds of attributes, I think, you know, players are, tend to be drawn towards you. While it's early to talk stats, Ference is pleased with some key aspects of the Hawkeyes' play through the first two games. We've played pretty clean football for the most part. We've done a pretty good job taking care of the ball. Uh, Penalty-wise, we're doing pretty well. Those, those kinds of things, the red zone stuff. And stats, again, aren't aren't huge right now, but they yeah, certainly like to be building a good base for sure. And those are things we work hard on in practice. We spend a lot of time in camp on all those areas, like everybody. So you like to see see that, you know, that work is maybe paying off a little bit. But, you know, it's just going to keep getting tougher and tougher each week. And, uh, you know, the, the real, it's like, like we're talking about individual players, the real test is, you know, how can we run this whole race? And we still got 10 laps to go here. So, you know, we're just kind of just barely got our feet in the water right now. We got a lot of work to do. And Kirk was asked what his staff does to try to help players through injuries. You know, we had a young man in here this weekend, a recruit that was uh, you know, talking about getting into physical therapy and, and uh, training, what have you. You know, there's there's two aspects to that. It's kind of like strength and conditioning. There's that, that physical aspect of trying to work a player back. But I, th- I think the hardest job, the most important job, and, and our, our medical staff doesn't get near enough credit. There's a lot of lonely hours that they spend with players. Uh, the worst thing for any player is to be injured because you just don't feel like you're part of it. You feel like you're on the outside looking in. And I don't care if it's a minor ankle sprain, you miss two days. It's just how you feel. So you can imagine and for players that have, you know, surgeries, things like that, the, the path back is hard. The time they spent rehabbing is really hard. But the mental games that the, get played, it's just, it's really difficult. And I think as a staff, we probably do a good job and try to do a good job of uh, reinforcing players and being positive. But the guys that are there with them, the, the trainers, the student trainers are with them during those uh, periods where they're alone and isolated. So the feedback they get from uh, from those those people, are, it's really important. And, you know, they, they've, all, you know, they've that's what they do. They're, they're experienced in that regard. But yeah, the mind games that uh, happen when you're injured and when you're out, it's just a, it's a really different psychology. And, uh, you know, you always worry about that, and especially in season because the coaches are like, you know, everybody's looking straight down the road at the game, you know, coming up. So, you know, I think we all try to do a good job, but the, the people on the front line or the, the medical staff, they do a, a great job. <laughs> Next, we hear from NDSU head coach Chris Kleiman, who discusses the challenge his team faces in playing at Iowa this Saturday. A really big challenge going to the University of Iowa, a place that I'm familiar with and have so much respect for Coach Ferentz and the program that he's built there for uh, so many years. And and so it'll be a a daunting task that uh, we have to come up with great game plans. Our kids have to play exceptional football for us to have an opportunity to to compete and be successful. Um, And um, make no mistake, I think this is the best since I've been here in the five years this is the most complete team uh, that uh, the Bison will face. Kleiman was asked about the impact of playing two tough overtime games to start the season. The guys that have played you hope playing two games that those guys will learn a lot and, and maybe not make the same mistakes. I think the uh, the downfall the negative part of having the two great competitive games is we didn't get a chance to see some of the depth and and that's obviously something that we're going to need uh, as we get into to valley play as the season goes along and that's something that we're a little bit nervous about is we've played x amount of guys on defense and x amount of guys on offense and and probably not going to change a whole lot this week and we'll hopefully get a couple more guys playing but uh it's tough when you have a tough non-conference and you're trying to find ways to win games because it's so important to win those interconference battles to make sure that for whatever it is long term that uh, you have those W's under your belt that uh, it probably affected us in the fact of developing depth. 
Coach Kleiman expresses his opinion about Iowa quarterback C.J. Bethard. I know he's a real um, heady kid, real cerebral, really good athlete, makes all the throws, uh, knows their system inside and out, and uh, he doesn't make the, the mistakes. You know, that's one thing you, you notice is they, it's a typical Coach Ferentz, Coach team. They're, they're not going to beat themselves. And, and uh, so with that being said, we have to eliminate uh, some of the mistakes that we've made to give ourselves a great chance. But Bethard's an exceptional football player. Kleiman opines on whether his team's preparation for the Iowa game is a bit easier since his team's schemes are very similar to those the Hawkeyes run. That makes it a little bit more manageable in the fact that uh, you could almost go against our offense and call some of the same plays and at least we know where our fits are at and we know where some of the plays may may go. Now the personnel is a different animal. This the, These guys up front are a lot better than what Eastern Washington or Charleston Southern take nothing away from those two uh, programs. But this is a Big Ten offensive line and tight ends and, and fullbacks that have uh, been doing this system for an awful long time uh, and uh, are extremely sound in what they're doing in the blocking schemes. The physicality of what we're going to face is what really kind of makes us a little leery to see how well we're going to match up. Um, you know, a lot of teams come in here saying, well, can we match up with, with NDSU uh, physicality-wise? Well, we're going into a Big Ten game that isn't a spread Big Ten. 10 offense that is a under center uh, eliminate the quarterback run game you know you're not getting all the things that that uh, other teams are showing you from a quarterback run game it's here we're going to line up and we're going to run right at you and we're going to knock you off the football and can you hold up and uh, the first two opponents that they've played have not held up and so that's alarming to us because they're playing decent football teams that, that can't hold up so how, how are we going to be able to hold up uh, with our front seven Kleiman was asked if he wanted to be a Hawkeye when he was growing up in Waterloo. I think everybody that was on East in Eastern Iowa probably wanted to be a Hawk. And and uh, I, when I was growing up, uh, uh, Hayden Fry was the head football coach, and, and it was uh, it was pretty cool. I remember as a kid going to Iowa football camps and and uh, running into assistants Dan McCarney, Barry Alvarez, Bill Schneider, Bob Stoops, and Kirk Ferentz, and those guys were on the staff. That's a that's a pretty potent group of coaches that went on to have pretty good success and uh, I learned a lot from him as, as a young player. And Coach Kleiman talks about the atmosphere they expect in Kinnick Stadium. I think it'll help us uh, moving on to other games that we're going to play this year that uh, it'll be a great environment for our players. It'll be something that they're going to remember for an awful long time. It's very similar to our place in that the, at the fans are right on top of you and there's not a lot of movement or room behind the benches and that's something that uh, is I think the best thing about college football is when you have the benches and then there's fans right there you know when you have tracks and a lot of space between it uh, uh, the fans can be away from you but this is a uh, a great venue to play in and uh, I know our guys are going to be really excited about the opportunity landing on the roll and it's intercepted by Neiman Neiman with the pick and the Hawkeyes have it back in the 43 yeah, this is completely on landing and this is not being patient First turnover of the night for either team. Turnovers were a problem last week for the Cyclones. Four of them in the opening game. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day.
We have a special guest segment this week. Gene Taylor joined the Iowa Athletics Department in June of 2014. He currently serves as Deputy Director of Athletics. In that role, he is the primary advisor to AD Gary Barta and is responsible for administrative oversight of day-to-day operations in the athletic department. Most recently, Taylor served for 13 years as Athletics Director at North Dakota State University. In that role, he guided the Bison through the transition from NCAA Division II to NCAA Division I. During his tenure, North Dakota State has seen nearly unprecedented success in college football. He also hired the current NDSU head coach, Chris Kleiman. Gene was nice enough to sit down with us this week and provide some insight into the Bison football program and the reasons for its sustained success. Gene, how has North Dakota State University been able to sustain such a consistent level of success over time in its football program? Five straight FCS titles, three when you were still there, five straight wins against FBS teams, 73-5 and five since 2011. You know, I think it's it's a lot of, it's very similar to what we have here at Iowa. There's a culture that was that started under Coach Bull in terms of the type of player that they wanted, the, the type of athlete, the type of kid that was going to come in and work extremely hard, you know, maybe be under-recruited by some other programs that they, they saw the potential to grow and turn into some really good football players. Chris Kleiman has been able to build on that and grow. You know, obviously with, you know, with, with the, once you have a success, you begin to get some little different level of players. And I think NDSU has nine players in the NFL right now. So I think it's just a culture consistency with coaching staff. You know, Craig Bull had a long time coaching staff. Chris Kleiman's had the same coaching staff for three years. That really helps in terms of really knowing what it takes to be successful and continue the success. And the players they buy bring in buy into that. They understand it. They don't get too big for themselves and they just know that they've got to go out and be successful week in and week out. Coach Kleiman is a UNI grad from Waterloo. He said he grew up wanting to play for the Hawkeyes. What did you see in him that convinced you he was the right person to continue to lead this program? Yeah, you know, when he came to NDSU as our defensive coordinator, one of the things that I was always so impressed with Chris was the preparation of the defense, the adjustments he could make. So from a coaching perspective, I knew he could coach football. The biggest question was, is he going to be wanting and willing to take over a program with three national championships with you know a lot of a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations and I'll never forget we sat in my living room for three hours um, the night that uh, the week after Craig said he was leaving and it didn't take me very long to know that he had the passion and energy and so that's what I was looking for is somebody that really wanted to come in and be a buys and be the head coach there understand the expectations that he was facing and he did and he distributed that and obviously it's, it's you know you can tell from the three national the two national championships he's added he has that and and his coaching style is, is perfect for, for for what they need to do at North Dakota State. The Bison are ranked first in the FCS. They won the first two games of the season, but both went into overtime, both against other ranked FCS teams. Given the, the depth there, what kind of, does that, how much does that take out of them having to play those first two games into overtime? Well, you know, that's probably a better question for Coach Kleiman and the staff. You know, I, I know that takes, you know, as, as, as uh, Coach Ferens pointed out, you know, they played a lot of extra football the last, you know, four or five years. You know, so I'm sure like anybody else, they're banged up, but uh, um, you know, they, they had a week off between their first game and their second game. They're going to have a week off after this one, so I think that'll help them. But, you know, it, it probably is taxing to play those kind of, and those kind of two different types of programs. One was an option team and one was a passing team. So they've played a tough schedule. I'll give the NDSU credit. They stepped up in terms of their non-conference schedule and, and are really, you know, <laughs> and then they get in the Missouri Valley, which I still believe is the best conference in the FCS in, in the FCS world. And so they're going to leave here and go right into the Valley Conference, and that's not going to be easy at all. I know the 
Kirk and his staff and the players all have stated how much respect they have for that program and the team and the coaching staff. In terms of special players that Iowa fans should look for on the field Saturday, I know you were there when the juniors and seniors yeah. were playing for them. I know Easton Stick, their quarterback, came in and played last year, eight games I think it was, when Carson Wentz went down, who of course was the number two pick in the NFL draft. Their co-number one running back, Lance Dunn, had a great game mm-hmm. last week. He's from Waterloo. Who mm-hmm. else should they keep an eye on? You know, they've, they've really got, uh, you know, Nick DeLuca, the linebacker, is, is, a, is a phenomenal player. I think he could play at a lot of places. He's, you know, a lot of people look at him as a potential NFL draft pick. Uh, R.J. Erzendowski is a wide receiver that's an exciting uh, player that came in as a freshman and, and caused, uh, had some big plays for North Dakota State. You know, their defensive line, their offensive line is built a lot like I was just big, big, tough kids that are going to, you know, block you. Um, you mentioned Lance Dunn and Easton. Um, they, they, they got some young uh, corners this year that are I'm not as familiar with. Uh, Trey Dempsey's a very good player. Uh, he stepped in, filled a couple of big shoes last year, the guy from graduation. So there's a lot of good players on that team that would uh, be, be fun to watch. I know Iowa fans, most of them are probably just learning a lot about the Bison, but um, in terms of their schemes offensively and defensively, a lot of people are describing them as Big Ten-like. Um, they certainly have a power running game that's very successful, over 500 yards, five TDs through the first two games, but they have a fair amount of balance, not unlike Iowa, because yeah. they've had some good passing stats in those games as well. Yeah, you know, you, that's which is unusual anymore if you think about it. Fullbacks and tight ends, Iowa runs that. Uh, most people have gone to the spread type options or the spread offenses. North Dakota State's been true to the, you know, they're going to power run the game. They're going to run it downhill, as they say, uh, and they and they have the ability to throw the ball, as, as you know, Coach talked about Carson Wentz last year, although he didn't play a lot of football because of injuries. You know, he's obviously a, a very, very good quarterback and an Easton stick. So they can, they're a very balanced team. They're, they're going to power run it. They're going to run it up the middle, uh, but they're going to they're gonna throw the ball as well. And they'll, they'll throw the ball deep occasionally too. So it is, it's a very balanced program. It, it reminds me a lot of, of how we play here at Iowa. I mean, just tough physical football. Well, the Big Ten has changed its approach under Commissioner Delaney to scheduling FCS teams. <laughs> and in fact, Saturday's game against NDSU and then in 2018 against UNI will probably be the last two games, the last two FCS games that Iowa plays. What's your take on that? I, I know Coach Kleiman was very strong in stating that he thinks those games are still good for football. I agree with him. Uh, obviously, I've got to be, you know, certainly our, our commissioner, is, is he's got a lot of good reasons for it, uh, that he's expressed the athletic directors and, and the coaches, and certainly it makes a lot of sense. You know, TV plays a big role in terms of why this decision was made. You know, do I want to see it go? Personally, no, because I spent so many years at the FCS. From that perspective, I see why it's important to the North Dakota States, the Northern Iowas, to be able to come and play a Big Ten or whoever, you know, may be Big 12, to play those games financially, to play those games for the student-athletes to come into a place like Kinnick Stadium. That will be missed. I, I understand our conference's position. I get it, you know, because of the TV side of things. But I wish it wasn't ending. I wish we may get a chance to, you know, look at it again. But right now, that's that's the deal. And, and North Dakota State will go out and find other, other you know, Power 5 conferences to play. But, you know, it's just regionally, it's a little tougher uh, to be able to do that for them. Coach Kleiman speculated that uh, about the possibility of you having a NDSU <laughs> shirt on under your Iowa shirt. Any reaction to that? Uh, he cleared it up today at his press conference. I happened to watch it or yesterday, whenever his press conference was. I will not have.
have any Indian shooting now. My daughter and son will. Uh, my daughter goes to school there. My son uh, worked there. Obviously, goes to school here at City High. Um, but they'll be sporting Indian shoe colors, and, and good for them. Um, you know, they're obviously very, very proud of Indian shoe, and they should be as as I am. But I'll be wearing all Hawkeye gear. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, and you're kind of our guest picker this week. What's your <laughs> What's your prediction for the game Saturday, and and the rationale for it? I just think you know Iowa Hawkeyes. We're a really good football team this year, and I think we're going to get better. Um, I think we're playing with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder um, as a team, and I, I don't think uh, there's going to be any concern for the Hawkeye fans that they'll come out with a win. Uh, but they're going to get it. We'll get a tough. We'll get a tough test from India Shoe, but I have no question that the Hawkeyes are going to win the game this weekend. Hasn't been easy. It won't be easy. Straight drop for Beathard. Good protection to the end zone. Touchdown! George Kittle in for six. Third goal, just a simple seam route, and then the out route off of it. Wide open in the corner of the end zone. Something happened to the corner. The corner bit on the first receiver out there. Made all day for George Kittle. A lot of, a lot of grass there. Easy, easy pitch and catch. Nice throw. Iowa takes the 7-0 lead in the Cyhawk series over Iowa State. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show, this week with Steve Batterson. You can read Steve's articles in the Quad City Times and online at qctimes.com. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sbat79. Steve looks back at the Iowa State game and previews this Saturday's game against North Dakota State University. Steve, our first show of the year together here. Let's take a quick look back at Iowa's big, impressive win over in-state rival Iowa State last week following the first game of the year against Miami. The run defense for the Hawkeyes was pretty stout, but the pass defense was fairly leaky. They certainly cleaned that up, and the offense continued to be very efficient. Yeah, certainly some steps forward on defense. And and then I think it's something that needs to continue moving forward. But, uh, yeah, they, they were able to kind of get some of those issues on the run cleared up a little bit uh, against a pretty weak Iowa State team that uh, has a lot of new pieces and is, is adjusting to a new system. So it's going to be probably a struggle-filled year for Iowa State. But, uh, you know, I, I think for Iowa, the big thing you take out of that is, is uh, some growth defensively, uh, certainly some improvement in, in in terms of stopping the run, uh, they were effective in in, in getting to, uh, to to Joel Lanning a couple of times uh, as well. Created some turnovers again. Uh, you know the turnover margin right now of, of four to zero is is uh, a lot to Kirk Ferentz's liking. And as you indicated, the offense very efficient. Uh, you know, continuing with with C.J. Beathard completing. You know, right now at, at, at hitting two out of every three passes he attempts, and that's an awfully nice compliment to the uh, to what I was getting. Getting on the ground out of out of Wadley and Daniels that uh, have really become a nice one-two punch. And, uh, to do that with uh, a couple of new pieces in the offensive line that was uh, uh, that was impressive as well. With uh, with James Daniels out and, and Sean Wells leaving that game, Keegan Render and and uh, Lucas Legrand really stepped in and did a nice job. Kind of an aberration from what we've experienced in recent history in that series. This was a game that was totally dominated by Iowa. Uh, not really close from the outset. It's clear 
that Iowa is a much better team than Iowa State this year. I still like the hire of Matt Campbell, and I think you know it's just going to take him two or three years to get that program back where it can be competitive. I, yeah, I agree. I, I think that you know year one for for Matt Campbell, or really a lot of coaches, is more about setting a tone. It, it's about uh, laying the expectations out there, not only from a from an execution standpoint, but also from just a cultural standpoint. And uh, he's got a lot of work to do over there. There's no question if they want to be competitive in the Big 12, they have to ramp up their their talent level, uh, and they have to certainly uh, put themselves in a position to to uh, you know be, become more efficient uh, uh, on the field on both sides of the ball. And and uh, they have some work to do. And, and this will, this will be a growing year for Iowa State. No pressure. Let's turn to this Saturday's game. North Dakota State University comes in here to play Iowa at Kinnick. NDSU certainly one of the most impressive resumes in college football at any level. Five straight FCS championships, five straight wins against FBS teams. They're 2-0 and so far this season. Took uh, overtime to win both of those games. Looking at Iowa's offense versus the Bison defense, we mentioned earlier how efficient they've been, the Hawkeyes. A lot of uh, good explosive plays, averaging nearly 44 points a game, 420 yards offense per game. Uh, fairly balanced, eight rushing TDs and four passing TDs, but in terms of the average yards, almost even again this year, 205 run, 215 pass. Certainly, it's one of those things, I think, that, uh, you know, as you look at, at, at the way things have kind of fallen together, even even within within the running game, you've got uh, Daniels with 25 carries at this point and Wadley with 21, so they're, they're finding balance in that as well. You know, I, th- I think there's been a real good flow to Iowa's offense through the first two games of the season. They're going to be tested by, uh, you know, probably the best defense that they've seen to this point. Uh, uh, you know, certainly uh, North Dakota State has some size uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They've got a little bit of experience as well. You know, if they've got a hole or two along the way, it might be on the back end. They've got a couple of new cornerbacks starting. So, you know, I would suspect that they will get tested by, uh, by Matt Vandenberg and, and uh, probably a, a growing number of receivers. And I think that's probably one area where Iowa will continue to try to develop some depth, whether it be Riley McCarron or, or Jay Shield or, or, or Germanic Smith. Uh, you know, I think there, there, there is some needed uh, growth there as Iowa prepares for the start of Big Ten play. The Hawkeyes are 100% in the red zone so far, and 9 of 10 of those have been touchdowns. They're averaging 8.52 yards per play on first down. That's 8th in the FBS overall and 4th in the Power 5 conferences. Those are pretty impressive stats, even though we're only two games into the season. Yeah, if you, if you can continue that, they're going to be in pretty good shape. The first down numbers are, are extremely important as well, and, and uh, you know, if you can put yourself in those second and short and third and short situations, uh, your odds of moving the chains are a lot are a lot better than, than than they are if if you have issues on first down, which is is certainly something that uh, hasn't been the situation so far. And somebody was asking C.J. Beathard the other day about Iowa's third down conversion rate, which which is uh, below 50 percent, and, and to which he said it is still a little uh, disturbing at this point. They would certainly like to see it better, but uh, one of the situations is that you simply haven't been in that spot very often yet, and which that part of it is a good thing. So you know, as long as uh, this offense continues to move. At a, at a high clip, uh, you know, that's one of those things they can work on down the road. But uh, this team is going to probably put Iowa in some in some predicaments that maybe they haven't been in the first two weeks. It, and, uh, you know, that's certainly, uh, it starts with uh, the uh, with Nick DeLuca at middle linebacker. He, he's the only FCS player uh, on the preseason watch list for the Buckus Award. He's a terrific defender. We'll be all over the field, and, and Iowa's going to have to be aware of where he 
that most of the day. To your point on third downs for the Hawks, Iowa's run a total of 116 offensive plays so far this season. Only 19 of those have been third downs. So, Beathard's nice right. They haven't, to had to, have, haven't had to run many of them. Let's talk about Beathard for a minute. He's been excellent so far this year. Pinpoint passing accuracy has been almost incredible against Iowa State. A couple of those passes he completed to Matt Vandyberg looked almost impossible to pull off, and yet he did it. He's got four passing touchdowns, one running touchdown. He's now 15-0 in regular season games as starting quarterback for Iowa and 9-0 at Kinnick. Yeah, he had 13 of his first 16 passes on, on Saturday against Iowa State, and and like as you alluded to, the, the you know the, the precision that he delivered that ball and the chemistry that he has right now with Matt Vandenberg, it, it's a special combination, and uh, it's something that uh, he can deliver where Matt expects it, and Matt has the ability to to kind of make something out of out of a ball that maybe isn't quite where it's expected to go to, and uh, it's a pretty special combination right now, and and it's going to be very valuable moving forward. You talked about running backs Sean Daniels and Akram Wadley. They've combined now for 365 yards rushing, six rushing touchdowns. Wadley also has a, a passing touchdown reception. They're averaging about eight yards per carry. Wadley had a few more yards than Daniels in game one. They switched those roles in game two. Akram was a little nicked up in terms of a knee, but they've been short of, of nothing but excellent too. And interestingly enough, I think people just sort of think of Daniels as being kind of the uh, power back and Wadley the speed guy, but they've both demonstrated both aspects so far. Yeah, we've seen some really good role reversal there. there there's no question that, you know, Daniels uh, is finally healthy. Uh, you know, if you take a look at his his career at Iowa, he, he struggled with, with the foot problem as a, as a sophomore, struggled obviously with a high ankle sprain all last season. And, you know, this is really the first time since realistically, probably when he broke in as a freshman uh, that we that we've seen him at, at full speed and and you know his speed is is very exceptional he broke to the outside three times last week uh, went wide and and you know was every bit as effective as, as Wadley was and and Wadley certainly has had some carries inside uh, that uh, that have been very effective too and it's really a nice rotation that Iowa has going and it allows both of those guys to stay fresh and you know I think that's probably the thing that, that Daniels probably appreciates the most right now is when he needs to come out of a game and get a little bit of a break Wadley can go in and just continue to move it allows both of those guys to you know to kind of signal that they need a breather get that breather get fresh again and then and then switch back in and out and it seems to be working pretty well you mentioned Matt Vandyberg he's averaging 20.7 yards per carry career high 129 yards receiving against Iowa State and you also talked about Riley McCarron and Germanic Smith they've both made some big catches at important times in drives the other aspect to Smith's play so far this year he's been really good at downfield blocking and I know both Ference and Greg Davis like that aspect. No question. One of the strengths of Iowa's past game a year ago was was the downfield blocking of guys like Tavon Smith. And Germanique kind of bought into that. And, and it really is a buy-in on the on a part of a receiver to kind of to want to do that. And uh, it's part of the deal in Iowa. If you want to play receiver, you're going to have to be willing to block. And, and uh, he's shown some growth in that area. And, you know, he, he sprung both Wadley and, and Daniels for, for some long touchdown runs during Iowa's first couple of games. And that kind of stuff gets overlooked a 
little bit, but it is so critical to making the offense work. It will be, you know, the type of thing that uh, will make a difference when you get into Big Ten play, and, and uh, it is a part of the package, and, and it is something that he's doing and, and embracing, and, and it certainly uh, has been a benefit so far. Tight ends weren't involved at all, really, during the Miami game, but George Kittle had a very nice game last week against the Cyclones, and not only catching the ball well, but he's really doing an exceptional job blocking on the edges. No, no question. That's a strength, and, and uh, Kirk talked a little bit about that on Tuesday as well. You know, just the growth in, in his game and, and his willingness to kind of become a good blocker on, on, on the perimeter like that. And uh, That's something that, uh, again, it, it's making the offense work, and, and it's a, uh, a needed part of that position. Iowa's best tight ends have been not only pass catchers, but great blockers, and, and uh, George Kittle is doing what he can to put himself in that in that conversation. Overall, the offensive lines played well, both pass and run block. There have been some communication issues from the center. James Daniels started the first game. He was injured, didn't play last week. Lucas Legrand came in and did, I thought, a really nice job overall. If you have one concern, though, Beathard's taken some really hard hits early. Yeah, he has, and, and he hasn't proven to be quite as mobile, maybe, as what we've seen in the past as well, which is a little bit concerning a couple games into things. But uh, you're right, uh, you know, protecting the quarterback was an off-season emphasis for those guys, and my suspicion is they've heard quite a bit about it, and some of it is early season communication issues, and obviously when you, you replace two pieces out of the five uh, last week, uh, things became a little, you know, there was probably a little step back there in, in, in some ways, but uh, it's something that Iowa certainly will have to do a better job of, because they cannot afford to continue to let Beathard continue to take a beating back there. Hawkeyes have a plus-four turnover margin through the first two games. You can call the offense opportunistic. They've scored a touchdown off of each one of those. Yeah, and I think that, you know, the interception that Ben Neiman had last week, I think, is a good step forward. They've, they've done a good job of forcing fumbles and recovering them, and uh, now they've got the first pick of the year as well. And It's an important thing. I mean, when you when you can make an opponent pay for their mistake, it certainly is a, is a beneficial deal. Let's look a little bit more into the Bison defense. You mentioned their outstanding middle linebacker, Nick DeLuca. He was the Missouri Valley Football Conference Defensive Player of the Week last week. He led the team last year in tackles. They've also got another good linebacker in Matt Plank, pretty good defensive end, and Greg Menard, who had 10 sacks and 15 quarterback hurries last year. So it's probably, as you said, going to be one of the stiffer defenses Iowa's, certainly the toughest defense Iowa's played so far this year, but they have been vulnerable to the pass. They've given up 272 yards per game through the air, and they're even maybe more key to that is they're surrendering 16 yards per catch. Yeah, and I think you know some of that is is the inexperience uh, I touched on a while ago and, and on the back end. They, they have eight starters back defensively, and, and some of those guys aren't, aren't necessarily starting right now, but uh, which is not all that uncommon there. Uh, they they will kind of mix and match guys as they come up, and it, it's uh, uh, but yeah, Jalen Allison is a sophomore, and, and, and Jalen Wimbush, who's also a sophomore, are, are in the first year starting at, at cornerback spots, and you know they've they've been a little vulnerable so far, and it probably certainly provides Iowa with an opportunity. But uh, obviously, uh, you know, I think it's uh, I'm sure that's also an area they've been focusing on as well. This offense so far for Iowa kind of reminds me of the old Hayden Fry saying of scratch where it itches. They've been very good at taking what the opponent defenses have been giving them, and you saw a few times last Saturday Iowa State tried to sell out to stop the run, and they got burned big time through the 
air. North Dakota State can't afford to sell out to stop the run, or Vandenberg and Bethard and the whole crew is going to pick them apart back there. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think certainly Iowa will, will continue to try to strive for that balance, but I do think if, if, if they do load up, I, I think they'll probably end up paying for it. And this uh, has makings of a pretty physical football game, and I, and I think uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that chess match works a little bit, but this, this may be one of those weeks where you might want to start with the pass to kind of open up the run, and uh, if they could do that, I think that could be a big day for Iowa. After this break, Steve talks Iowa's defense versus NDSU's offense, special teams, and the Big Ten. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. Let's flip over here, look at Iowa's defense matching up against the North Dakota State University offense. Iowa's defense has only allowed three touchdowns so far this season, 24 total points, only three by Iowa State. We've already talked about the fact that they've got four turnovers. The opponents are hitting just 31% on third down conversions. And I think you saw last Saturday the importance of having middle linebacker and Captain Josie Jewell on the field who returned after the from the Miami game and he was I think key to not only calling the defensive plays on the field but solving a lot of the communications problems that they had in the defensive backfield the first game. Yeah, I, think, I think there is such a chemistry that, that exists between Jewel and, and, and those guys up front and, and that's where things I think kind of got a little discombobulated when, when Jack Hockaday had to come into that game against Miami when, when Josie was, was forced off the field and you know no, no discredit to Hockaday I think he you know performed well given the circumstances but it's one of those things Josie's been he's been around uh, and he's surrounded by guys who have been around and I, I think there's kind of a calming effect that that has uh, there's just a comfort level that exists that, that kind of disappeared that day Iowa ended up looking a little bit out of kilter especially against the run that day held up okay against the pass against Miami but then last week I think what we saw with Iowa getting back to playing Iowa football in talking with some of the defensive guys earlier this week one of the things that they talked about was that they still don't feel like that edge is, is quite where it needs to be yet. But, you know, and statistically, I think that still kind of shows, but certainly steps in, in the right direction uh, last week. And, and uh, they will need to, uh, you know, to take another step this week because uh, the challenge will become uh, a little greater as well. They're, they're lining up across from uh, a line this time around that is very Big Ten-like in, in both size and, and skill. The defensive line's also been very good. It's been interesting to watch 
watch Jaleel Johnson finally be able to play a little more consistently as he's healthy. He's been in beast-like mode on several plays, but what's probably been most impressive and pretty much surprising to a lot of folks is how good the defensive end play has been, especially with Parker Hesse out with his injury, but true freshman Anthony Nelson is opening eyes everywhere. He certainly brings some athleticism to the position. I think that was one of the things that Phil Parker touched on during the preseason that he really liked about Anthony and, and uh, you know, had been hearing some things out of out of summer work and spring ball that, you know, that the kid was looking awfully good and he certainly hasn't disappointed in his first two college games. And with Matt Nelson on the other end, I think, you know, he has a little bit of experience and, and uh, is growing by the week. And, and with Parker Hesse uh, positioned to kind of return from a hamstring injury this week, I think that's uh, uh, that's probably a good thing. I think that, you know, the, the rotation of, of three defensive ends, I think, is uh, uh, certainly something that uh, will benefit Iowa. It certainly has helped them in the past. And, and to get Parker back uh, uh, and to have those other two guys get the level of experience that they've had the, f- the first couple weeks of the season, I think, is, is a big-time benefit. And, and I think those guys are benefiting from being around a couple of, of, of veterans in the middle in, in, in Jaleel the, and also in, in Nathan Budgeta. I think that the, the two of them and the experience that they bring to the tackle spots, I think, has helped kind of elevate the play of both of Anthony and Matt Nelson. Six sacks through the first two games, that's pretty decent. The Bison offense is pretty impressive. It has been for several years, 2016 so far through the first two games, no exception. They already have racked up 510 rushing yards, five rushing TDs. They're averaging 226 through the air, four passing touchdowns, 37 points per game. It really starts at their terrific young quarterback, Easton Stick. He may be young, but he's not an experienced because he subbed for the injured Carson Wentz, a top NFL draft pick this year, in eight games last year, and that experience is really serving him well this season already. He's a a kid that Iowa had in camp several times throughout his high school career in Omaha. They did not offer him, but he certainly is a quality quarterback. He's got both both the ability to to throw the ball and run with it, and uh, Iowa's going to need to be aware of of his abilities. He certainly uh, has developed very quickly. Uh, the experience that he had last year working behind a, a real solid group up front, I think, has only benefited a, a sophomore whose future uh, uh, would certainly seem to indicate that uh, North Dakota State is probably going to remain a, a contender at the FCS level for the national title for the next couple of years. And, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, he's got some pretty good weapons uh, throughout that offense. And, uh, it's an interesting collection of, of players. I mean, that front line, uh, you know, they average 311 pounds of play, uh, per player, per starter, and uh, and they stand about 6'5 on average. So uh, this is not a, uh, you know, this is a, this is a very physical, very big offensive line that the Iowa defense is going to have to deal with it. And they, and they play a very physical type of football. It, it, it's uh, that's where they they start. Uh, he's, uh, you know, in Eastern Stick, you've got a kid who's, who's kind of a gritty gamer as well, and, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. He was uh, NDSU's third leading rusher last year. He had 498 yards and five touchdowns. He's a very good dual threat quarterback in Iowa, which has often been challenged in the past to contain dual threat QBs. Did a lot better job last year. They're certainly going to have to contain him out on the edge this game. No question. And, uh, you know, he's a kid. He had 130 rushing yards a year ago in Southern Illinois. So, you know, he's capable of making some things happen with his feet. Uh, This year, you know, he's also completed 
64% of his passes. So, uh, you know, he's a pretty heady quarterback. And, and for, for a uh, young kid to step in at, at the level that they compete at and have competed at for several years and perform the way he has, it's a pretty uh, strong testament to his ability. Yeah, his passer ratings nearly 157-2. They have two pretty good running backs. Their returning senior, King Frazier, was terrific last year, 1,158 rushing yards. But they have a sophomore from Waterloo, Iowa. Kid's name is Lance Dunn, and he actually led the team last week in rushing. He had 178 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, including a 25-yard run on the first play of overtime to win the game 50-44, to a walk-off win, if you will, for for North Dakota State. And, uh, yeah, he's a back that uh, Iowa kind of flirted with in the recruiting process, never offered. He visited, uh, took an unofficial to, to Iowa. Uh, so he's been at Kinnick before. Uh, he is extremely excited and, and about coming home this week. Uh, uh, you'll get another chance later on when, when they play at UNI as well. But uh, he's uh, he's playing with, with a lot of confidence, and, and uh, it's one of those things I think that he's kind of matured with with uh, some seasoning. He carried the ball 95 times a year ago for them and, and was able to uh, to get some experience as a redshirt freshman. And, and now as a sophomore, what you're seeing is, is a kid that has kind of stepped his game up. He understands, you know, his, his reads a little better. Things are, are kind of coming easier to him. And, and I think that uh, that's probably uh, something that uh, is going to create even more issues uh, uh, for opponents of North Dakota State moving forward. But yeah, in King Frazier, they've got a terrific back as well and they've actually been rotating four running backs uh, uh, this year and, and the plan right now is to kind of go with the hot hand from week to week and and so far Frazier who, who was a preseason all-conference pick in, in the Valley and, and Lance Dunn have been those two guys and they list them as either or in terms of starting uh, this week so uh, that's where they'll begin but uh, if, if those guys struggle they have some depth there as well that they won't hesitate to use. You talked about the fact they have some good receivers, leading receivers on the team right now is sophomore Darius Shepard. He has eight catches, 127 yards, two touchdowns. But let's go back to their offensive line a second. The Iowa players, Kirk, I think did a lot of comparison to maybe a Wisconsin type of an offensive style. You talked about the fact that they average well over 300 pounds. That's very Wisconsin-like. And it's also perfectly suited for their power running game. And when I talked with Gene Taylor, Iowa's deputy athletic director this week, who was AD for 13 years, at North Dakota State. He says what they like to do, and it's typical of their last few teams, they like to line up, smack you in the face, and run downhill. And, and that's certainly it's been their modus operandi. And they've got a terrific guard in, in Zach Johnson. He's 6'4", 331, and, and uh, uh, is one of those guys, he's a senior uh, out of Apple Valley, Minnesota. He's a kid that kind of got away from the Twin City area, and uh, is uh, you know a terrific lineman that uh, really kind of anchors the left side of that offensive line and you know it's a fairly veteran group and, and they're playing that way they will uh, they will not hesitate to uh, to get uh, to engage you and uh, and uh, they love uh, playing physical strong power football and, and it's uh, that's led them to a you know the 73 wins over the past five plus seasons to your point Zach Johnson was the MVC offensive lineman player of the week uh, last week and and I think that that big O line also explains in part their ability to sustain drive 
drives they are excellent at the time of possession stat and uh, last season they averaged uh, nearly 37 minutes time of possession they're at 33 minutes 27 seconds so far this season yeah it's all part of what they try to do it's it's uh, not, not unlike what Iowa tries to do in terms of, of setting a tempo that allows the them to dictate to the opponent how the game is going to be played and their ability to do that has you know led them to a, a ton of success and you know and it's also allowed them to gain a great deal of confidence this is a team that will not be intimidated whatsoever stepping onto the field at Kinnick on Saturday and you know and Iowa needs to be prepared for that it, it's uh, this is this is a big boy football I guess you could say and uh, and they certainly uh, you know they this is a game that they've been looking forward to this is the last FBS opponent they have on their schedule until a trip to Oregon in 2020 and for the for the guys on the roster right now this is pretty much going to be the only chance they have to kind of make a mark against a, a big name program and and uh, you know that certainly has, has provided plenty of excitement and motivation in, in their camp this week quick glance at special teams Scott Docterman in the show last week said he gave Iowa special teams an A plus after the Miami game I think that's a pretty good grade after the first two games it's hard to find any fault with a special teams play so far the kicking game has been very very good kickoffs punts PATs the one field goal they've tried and made Ryan Kaluzzi the grad transfer <laughs> just excelled at kickoffs and he's doing a great job punting and for a true freshman Keith Duncan out there he's perfect on his PATs and made his only field goal yeah uh, you know Kirk Ferentz talked preseason about expecting a little bit of a roller coaster ride and you know so far it's been more like a carousel there haven't been a lot of really uh, bumps in the road whatsoever it, it's been a pretty smooth ride and uh, you know I, and certainly I think as, as uh, you know the season goes along there still could be some issues but yeah so far they, they've been terrific and, and I think that uh, you know the way that they've got things split up I think it's it's allowed Duncan to kind of settle in as kind of the, the PAT and, and field goal guy he doesn't have to worry about kickoffs and that's an area where Kaluzzi Ron Kaluzzi certainly has, has been exceptional throughout his, his college career and, and uh, you know he brought that to the Iowa program and, and I, I think things are fit together very well there and, and certainly in the return game we've, we've seen that, you know we've seen Desmond King continue to do his thing too and uh, all of that stuff is equally important and, and it was certainly will be more important moving forward as, as the games get a little tighter and, and the situations may be a little more important. You're almost startled at this point when you see Kaluzzi not get a touchback on kickoffs and you talked about Desmond King he has to break one of these for a touchdown soon he's already averaging nearly 38 yards a kickoff return average he's nearly nine yards and punt return average and it makes such a huge and important difference in field position for the Hawkeyes offense exactly and that's you know his ability to continue to do what he did a year ago has helped Iowa's offense as much as anything uh, when, when you can shorten that field it certainly increases your chances for putting points on the board and and what we've seen from, from Desmond is, is a, a guy who really learned from his experiences as a returner in both punts and kicks a year ago and, and you're right I think it is just a matter of time before he takes one to the house and it, it'll be an entertaining time when it happens because I know Desmond's going to celebrate it as much as anybody. Bison special teams are pretty solid too they have a sophomore place kicker Cam Peterson who's solid very accurate and last year they led the FCS in kickoff returns they have a sophomore kick returner too named Bruce Anderson who's averaging 23 yards per return so far this year on eight kick returns. Peterson's a kid out of out of Wisconsin he hit a 52 yarder in the first game against Charleston Southern 
which tied the game at halftime. So he's actually had to kick under a little pressure, and, and I think that you know that's something that we haven't seen yet uh, with uh, with Keith Duncan. Uh, you know, the the situation uh, that he hit his 22 yarder in was a little different. But you know, so if they need a long field goal, North Dakota State certainly has a guy in Cam Patterson that can go out and do that. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a situation I think where this may be a game where they may have to try a few field goals because I think the Iowa defense is stout enough to keep them out of the end zone at times. So, you know, he may come become a pretty important player in this thing. Before we get your prediction, let's take just a moment to talk Big Ten football. The biggest game so far this season for the conference has been the Wisconsin win over LSU up in Green Bay, but there are some huge games on tap this weekend. You have Oregon at Nebraska. You've got Ohio State at Oklahoma, Michigan State at Notre Dame. It's a real opportunity for the Big Ten to make a statement. Yeah, for week three, this is certainly a, an interesting collection of games. And you take a look at, at, at the Ohio State Oklahoma game and, and the Michigan State trip to, to South Bend. And you, you've got two Big Ten teams playing teams that have both have one loss on their resume right now. And both the Irish and the Sooners are, are almost in you know must win situations in terms of national championship hopes and playoff hopes and that type of thing already. And uh, this will be a great test for a couple of young teams there. Uh, you know, both the Buck guys have a lot of new pieces. They've been, you know, terrific so far, but, uh, you know, they're going to go to a very difficult place to play. Norman is is kind of a snake pit, and uh, it's one of those things where it's going to take a little more than JT Barrett. They're going to have to find a way to, to uh, have some success, uh, not only uh, running the ball, which has been pretty proficient so far against a couple of weaker opponents, but uh, they're going to have to put the ball up in, in the air and have some success, too. So, tough challenge there, and certainly Michigan State only one game so far. So they've had a couple weeks to kind of get ready for the Irish. And it will be interesting to see if, if, if Tyler O'Connor has uh, progressed a little bit since their opener against Furman, which, uh, you know, was kind of a uh, just a, a normal Michigan State type effort. It was kind of workmanlike with not a lot of flash. And they'll need to play well in South Bend to get out of there with a win. And uh, yeah, this is a big opportunity for Nebraska as well. Uh, Oregon coming into Lincoln. Uh, it's kind of a statement game for the Huskers as well. Uh, they, they've got a real tough stretch of schedule later on, but uh, uh, before they get to that, if, if they want to be in the mix in terms of team, teams being talked about in the West Division, this is one of those games that uh, it certainly would benefit them to, to be able to win. Alright, back to the Hawkeyes and Bison. Your prediction? Yeah, I, I think this game is is a game that I was going to have to kind of fight its way through. I think that Iowa will come away with a win. I, mean, I guess my score prediction would probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of 31-17, to 17, something similar to that. I think that uh, this is a, a game where Iowa should be able to kind of wear them down over time, much like the Illinois State game a year ago. I think that there's some, some similarities there. Bethard will need to continue to perform at a pretty high level, and the Iowa defense will have to show some progress. So share some progress from a week ago. If they're able to do that, I think that uh, the Hawkeyes will probably head into the Big Ten season at 3-0. That is good news. That is good news. Dominance tonight, the largest margin of victory in the series since Iowa won 63 to 20 back in 1997. And tonight it was all Iowa in the Battle of Iowa and Iowa State. 42 to 3. The Hawkeyes dominate the Cyclones and they keep the Cyhawk Trophy here in Iowa City. Impressive performance tonight for their 14th straight regular season win. (laughs) 
Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. I love you, Hawkeyes Mike. And I love Iowa City. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week. Thanks to special guest Iowa Deputy AD Gene Taylor. And thanks as always to Steve Batterson. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting 10 years of original programming on Iowa athletics. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.